Hello and welcome to the latest edition of From the Dugout. Today I'm joined by Clyde Boss, Danny Lennon, to discuss all aspects of his role at the football club, look back on some of his career highlights and much more. Danny, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome you along today. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much, Andy, and thank you for the, the opportunity to speak. Well, obviously, Danny, we've had an extended period without football. First of all, how are you and your family getting on during what has been a difficult time for everyone? Yeah, it certainly has, Andy, and it's been the same as everybody else. It's it's all been a bit surreal and, and certainly worrying at times, and we just hope that everybody comes out the other side of this safe and sound. Um, it's been a bonus spending more time with your loved ones, but it's been strange being cooped up so much with the same people all at the same time. And we're a close family and, joined and, and enjoy spending time together. Uh, and I also feel for those whose personal circumstances are not positive and, and lockdown has put a real strain on their life. But, yeah, we're all coping fine. And given football has such a, a big part of your life, have you found that element tough? I would imagine since your playing days, you've, you've really had this extended period, apart from the summer break, which has been shorter and shorter as the years have went on. Yeah, it certainly has. Um, you know, it's been strange. I love football and I love playing football, so I did, Andy. I love coaching and managing and I love watching football and certainly to, to be denied that uh, makes me feel like I've lost a part of me and it's all very strange and there is a, posit- a positive to all all of this and, and that, uh, that in life, you know, football can consume you and it can you sacrifice so much time, certainly with your loved ones, so to get that back and spend time together has been a real positive and um, you know, I love my wife, my family, my friends. You know, I've got a great faith. And to spend extra time on these things has been great. But yes, football's been a theme going through my life. And and I certainly welcome the opportunity to get back to it as, as I love the challenge of it. And you had the challenge this season of taking Clyde into League One. The team was sitting comfortable in seventh place at the point where the season was suspended. How would you reflect on the season to the point where the the play stopped and then obviously later on it would be concluded that Clyde would finish seventh for the season. Yeah. yeah, well, we were fairly comfortable, Andy, in seventh place and and certainly we had a bit of momentum, you know, just as the season had come up upon us. I think we, we'd got four four victories in the trot there and we were on a good momentum um, and, 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 and doing well. Um, certainly my, my aim since joining the club in November 2017 has been to improve our standing in the leagues year on year and when I joined the club they were in the relegation position in League 2 and by the end of that season we finished in 5th just 3 points off the promotion playoffs we got into the next again season after shuffling the squad a little and stamping more of my preferred style in the way we play and we finished 2nd and won promotion through the playoffs um, and moving up the league certainly presents a lot of challenges. Again, we had to shuffle the squad uh, once more, and, and you're up against clubs that have full-time players like Falkirk, Wraith Rovers, Airdrie. Uh, mid-table certainly represents progression for us again, uh, and I look that we're 13 places higher than the leagues than when we first came in less than three years ago. And I also reflect and see that there's some things that I could have done better. There's some things that we could, as a club, have done better, which we hopefully learn from and make us better in the coming season. And as you say, you're up against 
a lot of strong teams in that league. Certainly more full-time sides than normally are in League One last season. What challenges does managing at a part-time club present for you and your role as manager? Yeah, uh, well, having the pleasure of, of being full-time um, several times and, and, and part-time also, Andy, there's no doubt that managing part-time and having players part-time is restrictive compared to full-time football. Certainly in an ideal world, full-time football gives you more time to prepare as a manager, to analyse the opposition more, to put more time into preparing the team all week through more training sessions, the one-to-one talks, the tactical presentations. You can uh, can analyse the fitness and the recovery for the players more. But hey, it's... is what it is, and half the clubs in the four leagues are part-time, uh, and you look to to make the best use of the time that you have with them. And you, you would have to build up that rapport as well in that limited period of time, maybe two training sessions a week, and then the the game on the Saturday. Does that add a, an extra stress, given the fact that you'll also be dealing with player issues? Of course, there's a bigger focus in yeah. mental health issues just now. There'll be work-related stress for a lot of the guys. You've yeah. almost got to adopt the role of a counsellor, I would imagine. Yeah, a counsellor. I like to see it as a father. Um, so I do. And, uh, you know, that you're always there for them, that your door's always open. And, yeah, there is so much more that I would love to do with the players individually to develop them and help them fulfil more of their potential. And uh, there is more that I would love to do with the players collectively, certainly to iron out some of the tactical and performance wrinkles. But... Uh, I have to say that we do have a great team spirit in the group of players that we have. They've shown that together this time and time again, pulling out late goals and wins when games could have gone either way. So time is a restriction, but we're we're all committed to doing the best that we can with the opportunity that we have. Um, and, and, and certainly, you know, when you come into that side of football, you certainly understand that the the mentality and the well-being of the players is just as important as um, the physical and tactical side of the game, no doubt about that. And Clyde, obviously, have a reputation as a club are willing to, to offer a second chance to many people, and, and that is the case in your, your playing squad. That yeah. uh, is that something that drew you through the club? There's, there's players that have been given a second chance at professional football or, or playing in the, the SPFL anyway, yeah. and they've it with both hands. Yeah, there's no doubt, and, and, and we certainly do do that. You know, I'm certainly a people's person, Andy, and I like to see the value and the best in everyone. I've always embraced a, a very personal approach with the players. Um, you know, I lost my father too early, and I often look to, to my managers as father figures when I was a player, and I kind of adopt that role at times for my players. Uh, and I don't have all the answer. Nobody does, so I often tap into people that, I trust for advice to ensure that I provide the best help that I can for every player under my care. And as we went back into the previous question, mental health issues are coming more to the surface, and rightly so. I encourage players to trust me to open up. Um, I have a psychologist who who was certainly part of my staff at some of the clubs that I've been at, and and I always turn to him for advice in the other areas. too. So I've also valued the input of the club chaplains who have a wealth of experience, compassion that we can tap into for our players. And player care is certainly a big part of football management and rightly so. Going into that with the, the, 
giving the players the, the opportunity and a second chance. As I said, we certainly do that at Clyde and everybody does make mistakes. Sometimes those mistakes can be serious and require punishment. That doesn't mean that someone should be punished forever. And um, our mistakes are often, you know, a lapse in judge, judgment. It's not who we are and, and, and shouldn't shouldn't certainly define us. And, and people need an opportunity that to show that they can make positive contributions to society. And I've certainly believed that, that my whole life and I believe in forgiveness and I'm happy to give people a second chance. And you've spoken before about the fact that the guys that have been given a second chance have really went on to take that, demonstrate real qualities, not just as footballers, but also kind of redeeming qualities and, and signs that these guys have been rehabilitated and are grasping that second chance with both hands. Yeah, as I said there, everybody makes mistakes. I've, I've got a great... I've got a, a saying, you know, that I've never failed in, in anything in my life, um, Andy. I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what I, I certainly believe, you know, that we, we all do make mistakes um, and things that we do regret and that we could have done differently. Um, you can only learn from those and, and, and certainly make amends and learn from your, your, poor, your, your, your experience through that. So we're going to talk about your managerial routine. What is your routine on a daily basis? I know it is a part-time role, but it does seem yeah. very much all-consuming. Yeah, as in, in part-time football, Andy, there, there, there's very little routine, you know, due to my other work commitments during the week. Uh, my daily commitments include the trips to the gym, trips to the chapel for mass, watching footage of the opposition, watching our own games back, planning training sessions for both Clyde and my other job as a coach um, at Planet Soccer, running tra- training sessions for both Clyde and Planet Soccer, working out tactics for the next game and agonising over you know, team selection based on performances and training and performances in our last game, uh, the personnel who is a fit and who would work best in the tactical shape uh, that we're proposing to use and who can stop the opposition opposition best and who can hurt the opposition best. There's a lot that goes on during the week um, and believe it or not Andy, the easiest day is game day when all the work and the prep is done and decisions have been made and you, can, you can't wait to see how, how all that turns out. And you mentioned almost being a sort of father figure for your players. Does that add an extra emphasis on you being a, a role model to these players and, and doing the right things and the way that you conduct yourself and deal with individuals and go about your daily life. Yeah, I'm not sure about that father figure thing, uh, Andy, but the main thing I want want players to look to me uh, for is showing respect to everyone. Um, I certainly believe we're all equals, we're all human, and everyone deserves to be treated with respect respect and be valued. Um, And I expect that of all my players, that they respect and value each other, that they respect and value everyone associated with the club and the officials. Uh, and the late, great Jock Steen once said that the way to achieve great success is to bring the best out of everyone around you. You can't do that with uh, without valuing and respecting people. And that is the most important thing I want my players to see in me. And you also clearly have a, a real passion for helping younger players and helping younger players flourish at that. How important a part of your role is that 
for you in terms of how much satisfaction do you get from seeing a young guy that is perhaps a wee bit wet behind the ears and a wee bit timid coming in, but then making his mark when it comes to progressing into the first team? Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've certainly got a passion for trying to help every player uh, and my, my care flourish, uh, Mandy. And that is my aim anyway, but nobody can help everybody. That's not humanly possible, but to try your best is always possible. And the standards we should always set ourselves. I cast my memory back to when I went to St Mirren that they had no one from their youth academy in the first team. And it was one of my main aims to bring the youth academy and first team closer together as the gap between the two was far too wide. Uh, I used many of my first team coaching staff to do work with the younger players. I watched the young players play and train as often as I possibly could. I used the young players on a Friday to run through tactical training sessions with the first team, basically using them as, as, as opposition players uh, to give them an opportunity to play against first team players. Yeah. Uh, I challenged some of the young players to look at the style of play of a particular opposition player and play like them in training sessions. I believe it was very educational, educational for them and helped them prepare for first team football. And after four years, we had seven youth academy players in the first team squad and regularly playing for the first team and their national youth teams. We had players like John McGinn, Kenny McLean, Paul Dummett, Aaron Moy, who are all playing in the best league in the world at the minute, in the English Premier, and they earned full caps for their counties. Uh, we also had players like Jason Naismith, Sean Kelly, young Thomas Riley, who, who had all youth caps for their country too. So, that is a big, big part of the game, you know, the development in helping young players nurture uh, is one of the most satisfaction, satisfying parts of the, parts of being a coach. And keeping it on the, the fact that as a part-time role, the younger players will obviously be in apprentice contracts and you'll have limited time with these guys. How important is it to try and keep younger players on the right path? There's so many stories, and I could take it back to my days at school, and I'm sure you could as well, guys that were very, very talented, but perhaps they, they turned to drink or they, yeah. they, they had other vices, and, and they were lost to the game forever. Yeah. It's a, very much a tipping point at that stage. How do you try and get these guys on the right path and keep them on that right path? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a great question, Andy, and it is hard for young players. Um because they see other things that their friends are doing. But you can see the ones. John McGinn's probably one of the best ones that was singly focused and wanted to be a football player. And I certainly see it in, in certain individuals that I coach now and the other uh, coaching role that I have with Planet Soccer, that they give up so much time. You know, they won't even have sleepovers with their friends because they think they're missing out in a training session the next day. But it's hard for young players who, who want, want success right away uh, that's the way society is nowadays I think everything is instant making it in football takes years and years of pushing yourself to get better and better to listen to your coaches and put what they say into action there are a lot of temptations out there um, Arsenal's Arsene Wenger at the time talks of, spoke about I remember listening to him about developing young players in four stages to make them a successful pro the first one is to improve their technical development. 
Then you add the tactical development, then comes the physical development, and then lastly, important, is the mental development, um, which comes down to having a disciplined mind and making the right choices. And that is where most players fall down. You can lead a horse to water, but you certainly can't make them drink it. And that's where the own discipline and the single-mindedness mindedness of the of the player is so important in the choices that they make. That is um, when they're in their football environment and more importantly when they're away from it. And you mentioned the fact that Saturday is quite often the easiest day that you've had so much pressure through the week and preparation and getting the guys in the right state of mind to, to cross that white line and go out and put on a performance. How are you on the back of a negative result? How much can a, a result affect your mood? Is it the case that you can you can kind of put it to the back of your mind until the Sunday or the Monday? Or yeah. is it once where a, a bad result can shape your weekend and the same with a positive result, I guess? Yeah, again, Andy, it's um, football is a pattern. It's very emotional. emotional. And I would be lying if I said that results did not, didn't affect my mood. Um, but what I certainly have learned over the years from some great people who I deeply respect, who have taught me, you know, all about emotional intelligence, you know, where you must learn to control your emotions rather than have your emotions uh, emotions control you. And you look, the most successful people on the planet have high emotional intelligence. I try not to get too high after a win or a great performance. And now I try not to get too low after a loss or a poor performance. Um, you have to quickly learn what you need from a game, draw a line and move on. Sometimes that's easier said than done, but that's where, you know, certainly my loved ones and certainly my faith certainly helped me tremendously, Andy. We spoke as well about, about your fitness and the, the fact that you played against Celtic in that Basel Cup game last season. That's uh, that's quite an extraordinary feat. And yeah. It's a, it's a real testimony to the fact that you were well aware that you could handle that. Yeah. How do you keep up such a fitness routine and how did that appearance for the reserves come about? Yeah. I mean, the fitness side of it, Andy, has always been something that I've always loved doing. Yeah, I'm at the gym pretty much every day, sometimes twice a day. Uh, and as I said, I was over the moon to make my reserve Clyde debut at 50. Um, I place a high level of importance in looking after myself, my body, my fitness, and I enjoy it. It relaxes me, believe it or not, and helps me to get my frustrations out. And probably that's where I do my most thinking, um, is, is at the gym. Um, going back to that, that, that game... Yeah, with Celtic and it all come about that we were going through a little bit of a uh, an injury crisis at the club at the time. The, the the idea was to bring the under 21 players in, but there was a lot of problem with their registrations, and it was going to caught, be too much paperwork. Um, I think we only had 12 available players for that game that night, um, so quickly registered myself as an amateur. Uh, to make up the, the 13th player, just in case anything had happened to any players. And sure enough, with 25 minutes to go, I think it was Liam Allison had to come off. Um, and I went on. And believe it or not, after all your experience, um, Andy, I was nervous, you know, standing there ready to go on. But it was absolutely 
uh, fantastic and enjoyed every single minute of it. You know, playing a good against good quality players, but more more for going in and learning a great deal about my own players because sometimes on a Saturday they're even at part time level with less crowds, you don't really hear your talkers, you know, of your your characters in the team. Um, but when you're on that pitch with them, you can certainly see. Uh, certainly see and hear more and more of the leaders that are in your team and that was a great thing that I took out in that game and uh, as I said to, to, to go there and uh, to play but as I said that the, the most important thing there was that I wouldn't put myself into a position that I did if I didn't feel that I could, uh, couldn't handle it the game's certainly a lot quicker and, and your mind keeps up with the game Andy but your body doesn't keep up with you up with your mind, but I think your experience pulls you through that you don't put yourself into too many positions that you're going to get caught out. So I would love to have the knowledge that I have now when I was 19. So I would have, uh, along with the along with the legs to go, along with the legs. And the, Were you surprised at the reaction it got because it, it did come under I was, a bit. I was Andy, and um, it was great for the club. It was great for the club, but believe. I believe this, um, that was never my intention and I thought the way it sort of went a bit viral was was absolutely mad but you know, when you actually sit back and, and look at it, I think I've actually seen, you know I look at, at, at players like David Irons who, who played to a late age, one of the one of the fittest guys that I, ever, I, I always remember and I had the pleasure of playing uh, and he played at a late deal and I still believe that this boy could play as Andy Mullen um, so I do put an engine he had on him as well so no no problem at all I think if you can get about there and you would never put yourself in any positions that you're going to embarrass yourself your family and more importantly your club um, but I'm hoping that that I'm hoping that that is certainly the, the last appearance that will be making <laughs> well we'll never stay never shall we but yeah well, let's, let's have a, a look at your broader managerial career a huge success to start you off with was the, the back-to-back promotions for Cowden Beef. You, you think about the club just now and the current guys narrowly avoiding relegation through the playoffs a couple of seasons ago and yeah. just you took them to the championship. Yeah. Um, I'll always be ever indebted to Cowden Beef for giving me my first managerial opportunity, Andy. Um, and it was a great learning curve for me. Because I sort of went in as a manager, general manager, uh, and that gave me a great insight to not only running things in the football front, but also how football clubs work um, behind the scenes. Um, I look at where the club is now and the management team that's in there. I think Gary Gary Bolin and his staff have done a wonderful job. I think they've had a very, very positive season and they've rebuilt, you know, um, from last season. And, and certainly... Taking my Clyde side up there, we, we certainly knew that it was always a challenge and we were always in for a hard game. Um, how my opportunity started at Cowan Beat, I'd started my coaching career at Gretna as the head of youth coach and was delighted to to get my chances as a manager at, at Cowan Beat. And they say to be a good manager, you need three things, Andy. An understanding wife, um, a great centre-back and uh, a loyal dog. And no necessarily in that order, by the way. And um, <laughs> at Cowdenbeath, we, we had a great young centre-half in, in Dan McGregor, 
who's now at Hibs, who was fantastic in the air, you know, fantastic athletic athleticism and, and was a real asset and influence in both boxes, chipping in with goals and assists. With a lot of good players who enjoyed the type of football that I was asking them to play and to achieve back-to-back promotions, you know, was special. Uh, and on the back of that, I rewarded a lot of the players by taking them with me to St Mirren and giving them their shot in the top league. Uh, Dan McGregor became an absolute standout there too and, and was later signed by Rangers. Gareth Wardlow scored the winner at Petrodre to guarantee her safety. So, great memories and great players. Yeah, and we're, go- we're going to talk about the progression to taking the job at St Mirren and the the undoubted highlight would have to be the, the League Cup success in 2013, the victory over Hearts. I, I know that St Man fans will, will remember forever, only the club's fourth major trophy, the last major trophy that they won, of course. Yeah. Some of that is how much it meant to you. Yeah, I absolutely loved my four years um, at St Mirren, so I did um, Andy. Um, and once I took the job there, the board told me when I went that the job was to keep the uh, was to keep them dining at the top table, keep them in the Premier League. That was it. And I was delighted to give them their highest league finish for over 30 years, finishing eight twice. And as you mentioned there, of course, winning the League Cup for the first time in the club's history was was certainly something very special. Uh, the way we did it, uh, it was a hard way also. We played Aberdeen in the quarter-final at Petodre. We played Celtic in the semi-final at Hamden and Hearts in the final at Hamden. Uh, Celtic in the semis at Hamden and Hearts in the final at Hamden. Uh, and, and, and scoring three goals against Celtic and three goals against Hearts to win the cup in style was was tremendous. And hats off to all the players for delivering such a high-level level performances in those games. It was... It was pleasing to give, you know, to to give such great memories to the Saint fans, and I've certainly got a lot of great personal memories with the fans that I'll treasure for the rest of my life at that from that football club. A key fact that you mentioned there as well was four years in charge. Man haven't had a, a manager that has remained at the club for that tenure since your departure, and many people, including myself, as as an outsider, someone that doesn't support St Man really was left scratching their head at your departure from the football club because, as you said, you retained a top-flight status, you brought them a major trophy. kind of hard to work out what more the football club could have wanted from you. Was, was there a feeling that you'd taken the club as far as you could? Or was there really a kind of... I, I, I certainly believe, um, Andy, that you know my job wasn't finished there. I certainly believe in, that if I'd got that other year that I would have I would have took them, took them higher, and there's no doubt about that. I had done finished business there, but it's a wee bit like anything when you get a little, when you get a bit of success, you know, there's an expectation there all the time from fans, from board of directors, um, and as I said there, with the success that we had, you know, bridging the gap, bringing through lights and McGinn, McLean's, all these young players, winning the league cup, getting the 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 the, the couple of Highest league finishes in over 30 years by finishing the eighth, etc. These were absolutely fantastic achievements. Be a wonderful group of players and staff. Um, and sometimes, 
Sometimes a board of directors have got to understand where they dine at the top table, Andy. And, and that's, that's an interesting one as well, because you look at, and you perhaps compare it to, for instance, Jack Ross, who did a, a fantastic job in bringing St. Man back into the, the top yep. flight. He was then attracted to the Sunderland job and had his trade down south. Was, there, was, there was also a wee bit of head scratching the fact that he'd done such a good job, as I've already alluded to, and then you leave the football club and you're almost lost to the game for a wee bit before you took the spot on under-21s on a temporary yeah. basis. And then you go to Alloa. And, and no disrespect yeah. to Alloa in any sort of mm-hmm. way, but you compare your job to the job that Jack Ross did, and you've got to yeah. say, Danny, that given you won a major trophy, yeah, you argue that your achievements and the longevity that you had at St. Man yeah. were more accomplished than Jack Ross did. Yeah, no, but I don't think you can compare two managers. I think Jack Ross, you know, has done absolutely fantastic at every club that he's went to. Uh, and, and certainly I remember going in my time out there and, and went and watched it and I'm um, going through hospitality and watched them a few times um, and was very impressed in the way that Jack had them playing. There was no doubt about that. I think when Jack went in, and, you know, that last game of the season against Hibernian, and I think it was where the, I can't remember if the winner they drew the game, but it was enough to keep them up. You know, I thought that was an absolutely remarkable achievement by Jack Ross. And then the following season, he goes on and, and wins the league uh, very, very comfortably. And, you know, sometimes being in the right place at the right time and an opportunity presenting itself in the way that it did, it was something that Jack certainly couldn't turn down. I don't think any manager at that particular stage would have turned down a job like Sunderland. Uh, neither would. But you then compare... Um, as you said there, other achievements, but I don't think you can dwell on what Jack achieved with St. Man and what I've achieved and what I had achieved. Um, sometimes you do need that little bit of luck within the game, you know, when jobs are coming available. Um, and it might be the right it might be the right movie, but it might be at the wrong time, um, Andy. And um, I've certainly no regrets. Don't get me wrong, I was deeply hurt. And my depart and the way my departure at St. Mirren that happened, as I said, I certainly believe that I had a lot more to to offer there. Um, but what I can say, I, I left there with my head head certainly held high, knowing that I went in there every single day and gave absolutely everything that I did for those those St. Mirren fans in that football club. You know, to the extent that you that I sacrificed my family over them, uh, and that. That for me, you know, so you never know. You never know what may be around the corner. They're in good hands at this moment in time with Jim Goodwin. He was a fantastic captain for me and, and again, is making a great name for himself in the, the, the game as a as a very, very competent manager. So I'm looking with great anticipation to how well they do and how Jim um, handles his second, full, his second full season, you know, in the top flight because he's certainly... At the stage now, where he's able to, likewise myself, build his own squad round about that. Um, so I look, I look um, in great, great anticipation of how that will turn out. You rightly say, Dandy. Um, between that, I was out for a little while, and probably 
probably licking my wounds ever so slightly, but also at the time my, my, my oldest son was very poor, so the timing of the, the timing of that was important. Uh, that I was I was there for my family this time rather than the, the football, uh, and then I got the the call up um, with the under twenty one. You know the successes that we had at Saint Mum with the youth development were certainly. I believe the reasons that the SFA approached me to take the Scotland under-21 position on an interim basis, um, which I was very honoured to do, albeit for one match. Um, we played away to Hungary and won the match 2-1. And I remember I gave Lauren Shanklin, you know, his under-21 international debut, and he scored both goals that, that afternoon. And I'm delighted to be a Scotland manager with a 100% record, Andy. <laughs> Yeah, there's certainly many of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then on the back of that, um, there was Alawa, you know, Mike Mulraney, who was a fantastic chairman, you know, and and, a, and someone that I'll still call up, you know, um, as a friend. Um, and I went to Alawa with only six games of that remaining league season to go, and they were at bottom spot. We only three wins in 30 games, I believe, and if I remember correctly, in the last 10 games of the season, including the playoffs, we won five of the 10 games, which felt like a minor miracle to keep the club up. We had to beat one of my old clubs, Cowden, beat in the last game of the season, not to be relegated, which we, we did 3-0. And then in the final, we won the last game against Forfa, 3-0 to stay up. And it was a wonderful roller coaster. And that's what football is all about, Andy. The scenes... Hey, the Alawa fans celebrating that day were, were really great, fantastic memories, so they were. And then you go on to the Tampa playoff success Alawa and, and keep the side in the, the league as well the following season. And yeah. what followed would be a brief spell at Airdrie. And that, of course, was in difficult circumstances. Eddie Vilecki Black. Yeah. Yeah. The dugout at, at your former club, Cowden B. Yeah. I was there on a, an interim basis after Eddie, Eddie Black, the manager, had a stroke. Uh, I knew Eddie and had a great foot. We had great football chats uh, together uh, with him, you know, before, and and we were very much of the same football and philosophy. Uh, and I agreed to step in until he was fit enough to return. You know, he's certainly a great coach, and I was certainly glad to to help out that at that time and. We really made a push for those playoffs. I think going into the last game against Air United, we won the game, I think, 3-0. Um, but I think we needed somebody else to, to slip up. I can't remember who it was, but they had won that afternoon. And I think they, they sneaked it um, by a point, so they did. Um, but we certainly gave it our all, and we just fell short within that game period that, that I had there. Um, but again... You know, a good, good club. And then that brings us right up to date, taking over at Clyde. If you just three years now, yeah. I would imagine the highlight would be last season's promotion via the playoffs and, and bringing the club who I think many considered as too big to be at the bottom tier of, of Scottish football, further up the, the rankings and, and who knows what happens from here. Yeah, there was certainly in the the bottom tier for far too long, in my opinion, knowing the, the proud history of the football club. And last season, it was an absolutely amazing season when we got promoted. We'd been pushing for the league title and still had a, 
a shot going into the final game despite a, a point points deduction for administrative uh, administrative error. And so we had to pick the lads up from not winning the league, which was you know incredible when you think only 18 months before the club was bottom bottom in the league. We overcame Edinburgh City in the semi-finals. Uh, we lost the first leg of the final 1-0 down at Annan after we missed a penalty and part of you think fates against you um, but I'm certainly a firm believer but you, you're right you, you certainly write your own story and, and our story wasn't over yet and I was impressed upon what we certainly did um, I impressed upon the players that we were going to write a positive ending to, to the story um, of that season that we would certainly remember for the rest of our lives and and the boys were great in the home leg of the final and we, we won that game 2-0 the fans were exceptional the scenes of celebration are a are, are memory that will stay with me for the rest of my life you know it was absolutely a fantastic monumental effort together by the board of directors the fans my staff uh, all the players and, and more importantly, the most important people at any football club, the fans. And we look, we look ahead now and what are your, your aims and ambitions for your role at Clyde? You've consolidated your position in League One this season. Obviously, there has been a, a fair degree of controversy over promotions and, and relegations from the league this season. Yeah. But I, I, I guess from a Clyde perspective, it's business as usual and You'll be ready to go when that green light's given for the the lower leagues in Scotland to resume. Yeah, you know everybody behind the scenes at this moment in time. Um, I think the work that's going on with all clubs, you know, for boardroom level, trying to get a game back, um, doesn't go unnoticed. And uh, there's the work that they're putting in is absolutely fantastic. And as I said earlier, uh, and the aims and ambitions are for Clyde to improve their standing in the leagues year on year. They've got a proud history and I would dearly love to get them back up the leagues and enjoy football at a level where the club could go full-time uh, and play the best teams in the country. Some may say it's a, a pipe dream and yes, there, there are a greater many challenges you know, to achieving that dream, but it's not impossible. Uh, we've already moved up those 13 places in the league structure in less than the three years, and it's it's my aim, together with everyone at the club, to continue that progression. When do you see the resumption of, of football occurring? I know that in the last couple of weeks there has been movements that certainly as a fan have given me hope that it's not going to be too much longer before football in Scotland returns yep. in some form. But there's still a, a fair degree of uncertainty, that being said. Yeah, I, I think... It's a difficult question at this, uh, as this pandemic presents so many unknowns. But what we do know that the goalposts are moving every every week, Andy, and I think things are moving a lot quicker now. Um, I'll certainly leave it to others to make that prediction and that decision when it is safe for everyone to return. I think that's the most important thing. And I'm just waiting for the green light, and I'll give it everything that I have to ensure that the that Clyde Football Club perform to the best of their ability when the season kicks off again. And off the, the park, a, a really interesting initiative in terms of the, the season cards at Clyde this season where fans can basically purchase credits that can be used for games 
that aren't playing behind closed doors that can be used for the club shop. It's basically a, a way of ensuring that fans get value for money and hopefully a way of also attracting some new season card holders to the football club. Yes. Fans, uh, because I think the one thing I've noticed through this is even perhaps people that have been somewhat lost to the game are rallying around trying to support their local team yeah. or support the team that they have supported all their days just to ensure the, the very existence because that's come under threat for, for many clubs in Scotland in this recent time. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Andy, and I think some of the initiatives that the clubs have done with the digital season cars going in sale, you know, is fantastic. Uh, this weekend, you've got the 1877 rewards and, you know, uh, and the club ownership already open. So the importance of, of the SEC, the success of any football club, you know, certainly we've got to try and stream every avenue that's impossible. And, um, you know, as I said earlier, the most important people at any football club have always believed that chairman, directors, managers, coaches, players, we have the pleasure of having sometimes, you know, flying visits at football clubs, you know, some stay more, eh, a little bit longer than others, but the real ones that do stay is the most important people, and that's the football, eh, the fans themselves. They invest so much of their time, their emotions, and their finances, um, and I really think that when you see in terms of the pandemic and everything that's happened at this moment in time, Andy, this has certainly been one of the most things for me is, is the humbling way that everybody's got together um, and looking out for each other and more importantly looking after a, a proud football club, you know, that has been passed down to them, you know, from generation to generation and we certainly want to see that heading uh, in the direction that it's going. So, you know, I urge, I urge the fans, you know, to be as generous as, as they possibly can. They've never let us down yet, um, neither have. So, I certainly believe at the back of this that you'll, when the fans are allowed back into, into into the stadium to come, you know, we can't wait to to be all in the environment and back back together as one big happy family. And it's certainly from what you're saying there, it sounds like you've got a, a real affinity with the, the Clyde supporters. I, I know from your time at, at St Man, there was you were held in such high regard. You had a good relationship with the supporters. You made time to speak to the supporters, which is, is quite different from, from many football managers. But having that, that support and backing of the fans must help you through many aspects or many times. If, yeah. Since the results aren't going so well, you maybe yeah. get that wee bit of goodwill yeah. that, that wouldn't exist otherwise. I think that's very important. And sometimes I think when you hear managers... What you can't do with, with football fans, you can't pull the wool over their eyes. You know, I think you've always got to to be honest, you know, and um, when you see poor performances or they're good performances, you know, and I, I, I think fans always appreciate that. As I said, I've always got time for fans. I'll always answer every every call, every letter, every email. Uh, and as I said, I know that the fans give so much to support their beloved club. Um, I'm also sure that, again, Andy, they'll embrace the various initiatives that the club have launched to boost the finances going forward. 
And you know, I can only say that I'm, I greatly appreciate all the support, all the all that the supporters give, and it's a real, real honour to serve them as manager of this great club. You know, it is. It's a it's a club. Every home game before um, kick off, you know, I'll go up, I'll go up to the lounge and I'll, I'll speak, you know, for 15, 20 minutes, answering questions and and getting to know them, and that that that's a big part of the. As much as looking forward to the game, I very much look forward to to meeting the fans, you know. And uh, as I said there, I think it's it's only right that even in difficult times when you're maybe going through that bad period, that you stand there and you be honest and you know we, we go through the same pain and that together. And at the same at the same token, we pull one another along the journey with us, and and that's very very important. Together, together we certainly achieved more, and that's been that's been something that I've been very proud with um, at my time at Clyde Football Club. That myself, my staff, and the players that have connected the the players and the supporters, we brought them closer again. You know, and you can certainly see that in every goal celebration that um, every goal that is scored in the celebrations that we have at Broadwood. You know, it's a it's a it's a scene that I enjoy watching, watching time and time again. And Barry, we're just heading towards the, the end of this. I would like to take the time firstly to thank you for taking the time to speak to me tonight. It's been so, so interesting. I'm, I'm sure that everyone that listens into this podcast will really enjoy it. We'll finish off by just discussing your own personal ambitions. We've talked about the many highlights you've had in your managerial career. You've managed at part-time level, you've managed at full-time level, you've managed the under-21s at national level. What What's next for you? you you've talked about Clyde and your, your aspirations there. Is the ambition to be back managing in the top flight? Is there aspirations to perhaps move down south? Where, yeah. where do you see yourself in the next couple of years? Yeah, first, first time, Andy, I'd like to thank you, you know, for the for the honour of being on the, the show tonight and um, bringing back very, very fond memories. You know, sometimes you can you can, you can actually sit down and sometimes you don't know until you get get these questions that you forget what you actually achieved. So you brought back um, great memories for me. Um, and first and foremost, I want to continually improve as a coach and a manager. That That's always been a focus for me to make sure that I'm doing the best for the board and the fans that employ me and I'm doing the best that I can for the players in my care. Of course, I would love to get back to managing in, in a full-time environment and as high up the leagues as possible. Um, perhaps that can be achieved with Clyde. Why not? Like I said before, it's a it's a big challenge, but certainly not impossible. And, and dreaming, working hard and enjoying the roller coaster of the journey um, it's what football is all about and I'm certainly up for that challenge 100% Andy uh, I would like to wish you all the best in that journey Danny whenever football comes back I'm sure that you'll continue to be a success in what you're doing and I, I wish you all the best in that thank you again for your time tonight that's great Andy, thank you very much <laughs>